You're listening to the Apple Insider Podcast. Welcome to episode 47 of our show, where we discuss the latest news about Apple, iPhone, iPad, Mac, Apple Watch, Apple TV, and more. We're recording on Thursday, December 17th, 2015. And I want to bring to your attention that we're running a contest. This contest is open to all readers with a U.S.-based mailing address and runs through 11.59 p.m. Eastern Time on December 18th. This is an Apple Insider contest. And what we're doing is we're giving away Apple Watches and Apple TVs. We're giving away 64 gigabyte Apple TVs. There are going to be five winners, and they'll be announced on the main page of Apple Insider the following Saturday, December 19th. Each reader has up to five chances to enter. To enter, go to our website. The link will be in the show notes. And follow through on retweeting our price guide and tweeting about the deals that we're having. And that will enter you following the instructions there to win possibly an Apple TV 64 gig or an Apple Watch. So joining me this week is the esteemed, ever-ready Mikey Campbell. Hey, Mikey. What's going on? How are you? Pretty good. How's life out in paradise? Raining right now, but still good. You've got our weather. It's raining here too. Let me ask you, what was the biggest news story for you this week? Well, there's a lot of news, but personally, I think... uh, I think the BBC One Player coming out for TVOS was uh, pretty big. I believe. I'm they sorry. Call it I'm sorry. IPlayer. You mean iPlayer? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. BBC One iPlayer. Well, not. I think it's more than BBC One, though. Yeah, I think they have one, two, three, four. I think so. Yeah, yeah. So I take you've never lived in the UK for a long period of time. Nope. But <laughs> their their TV shows are are pretty excellent. So what are you a fan of them bringing iPlayer to tvOS for? Well, it hasn't helped me at all, but uh, it's one step closer, hopefully, maybe to bringing some sort of version to the US, whether it be a subscription-based or or not. Um, one can hope, yeah. But I do uh, do enjoy their shows, so... It's it's dead simple. You've already got your iTunes account. You've already got your TV. You're already there, and you just go with it. I thought I was reading. I don't know if they changed this or not, but I thought that um, residents of the UK could actually access iPlayer when they're traveling. That's a very good question. The difficulty is is that it's it's always hard to tell if you're a resident of the UK and living as an expat and stuff like that. So they're, yeah. they're always, you know, they, they have a lot easier of a time just blanket restricting on, on geolocation and IP. And in fact, our article that we ran says that access is restricted to the UK as a free perk for the country's TV license fee payers. Indeed. But it's really cool. You know, if you're hooked on CBBS for your kids or, you know, you like checking out Doctor Who or EastEnders or are hopeful for the return of Top Gear, uh, although I, I you're not sure how that will play out with the new host. The, it's it's an interesting thing, and it's cool to see that it's come to the T- Apple TV because it just reinforces that the Apple TV is a strong platform worth having in the UK. Yeah, they acted pretty fast on this. Um, I think it took them a while to get iPlayer onto iOS. You know, it did. It took ages for it to be on iOS. And part of that was that for the longest time, iPlayer was Flash-based. Right. And once they finally figured out that they could go ahead and get it on iOS, uh, the browser's version was still Flash-based, but the iOS version was not. Once they've got the iOS version, they were able to recompile it, right? Yep. So you're optimistic about this and, and having it uh, come? Well, I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. But uh, I hope it does. What's your favorite BBC show? Uh, probably EastEnders. You are kidding me, right? No, I love it. Really? Yeah, it's good stuff. 
you know, I was, I was fishing for a red dwarf or a top gear or something like you went East Enders. Yeah. Well, top gear is good too. I mean, Sherlock is also. Something. There you go. Sherlock's a good one. Yeah. What other sources are you hoping come to Apple TV? I don't know. I mean, I'm pretty set with Netflix and Hulu and stuff. Mm-hmm. So, oh, and HBO. So I don't know. I mean, I'm not, I'm not really that big of a TV watcher. Mm-hmm. So I'm pretty set right now. I don't know. I'm thinking about I'm thinking about restarting my Plex server for streaming. Oh, you've movies. you've got that network attached storage device. You could run Plex on that. Yeah. So I'm thinking about doing that. I don't know. I just don't really have time to watch. Uh, right feature length stuff so yeah we'll see i have been waiting for the uh, the idea of an amazon tv service to come to it mm. and we had that rumor a couple of weeks ago but i've been watching uh one of their amazon originals which one uh man in high castle oh yeah yeah, yeah. okay and my tv i just i well as a birthday present to myself i i got a new tv and the TV has an Amazon service built into it, but the quality is kind of lousy and it's, it's a little iffy. And I, um, if I have the Apple TV hooked up to it and the Apple TV falls asleep, CEC turns off the TV while I'm watching the built-in Amazon app, Nice, which is a really nice feature for them. But um, So I was also streaming it over AirPlay from my phone to Apple TV, which looked infinitely better than the built-in Amazon app. And the idea of having that built into the Apple TV or loaded on the Apple TV works better than the AirPlay. And I wouldn't have to mess with the built-in app on the TV. So what I'd like to do is I'd like to ask our listeners to go ahead and in the comments or on Twitter, let us know what services they think are missing from Apple TV and what they'd like to see happen next. Indeed. Comment, Comment now. Today's podcast is sponsored by Scotty Vest, the clothing company that designs multi-pocket clothing that lets you carry and use all of your gadgets and daily essentials. With up to 42 pockets in a single item of clothing, you'll have space for your smartphone, your tablet, your other gadgets, plus your wallet, keys, sunglasses, and more. Scotty Vest have been specialists in functional fashion for over 15 years, and they cater to tank junkies by cleverly engineering pockets to balance the load and keep you comfortable while giving you easy access to all of your electronic devices. They have the perfect holiday gift for gadget lovers in your life, and if you go to scottyvest.com slash appleinsider, you can get a 20% off using the coupon code Apple Insider. So you know that sort of gadget dance when you're trying to find your phone and which pockets it in, things like that. Scotty Vest eliminates that because they've got icons designating which pockets work with different devices. So you'll always know where everything is. Have you ever seen one of these Scotty Vests, Mikey? Nope. Well, really? online, online, yes, but not in Okay. In Have, what were you doing looking for them online? Uh, I believe it was an advertisement. Oh, okay. They're very popular photographers. Because, you know, you can jam a bunch of things in if you've yeah, got lenses or, yeah. or, you know, all of your SD cards and things like that. They, they really work well. I've, I've always been kind of vaguely curious about them, but I've been concerned about the idea that I would look like a tool if I had an iPad stuffed in one of the jacket pockets. Do they, do they have one for the iPad Pro and uh, maybe a drone on the back or something? I don't know. We're going to have to look into that. That'd be great. But, I want to make sure that our listeners know that they can go to scottyvest.com slash Apple Insider and get 20% off with the coupon code Apple Insider. So, Mikey, we had some big news happen over the week, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And go ahead and, and fill me in about it. There were, there were two stories, really. There was the, uh, the KGI story about not having 3D touch for Apple's iPad Air 3, which is a forthcoming device, right? Yep. But also about 
3D Touch for for iPad size screens after the iPhone Seven, which was an exclusive we had. Yeah, right. So, so go ahead and give me the backstory. What's what's going on here with with? Um, so everyone's favorite analyst Ming Chi Kuo uh, basically came out with a uh, his latest note saying that the next gen iPad Air, which is probably going to be called iPad Air Three if Apple continues its naming convention. Um, will not have 3D Touch. Why? Why does he think that's the case? Um, he said that it was due to production issues, so he left it a little vague on that. He said he um, actually he didn't really give a reason. He said they expect that production issues will be the reason why. Is it, is it because there's bottlenecks producing it for the iPhone success? Uh, he said, well, um, there were in the beginning. Uh, uh, you know, when they first started ramping up production, but I believe that he's expecting the same thing for iPad as well. So when they start, you know, manufacturing more of the bigger display size, um, 3d touch modules or, uh, uh, they might come into or might encounter some some snags along the way as they did with the iPhone success. Right now we're pretty sure that we're going to get a refresh of the iPad line next spring, right? Yeah. In March probably. Um, but we had also an exclusive, uh, one of our sources who is, uh, spot on with, um, predicting Apple's Apple's moves and the behind the scenes. So they said um, what Apple is doing is actually developing a scalable 3D touch technology. So uh, they can include the same tech in the iPhone and the iPad. It's just going to be scaled up. So instead of um, having two different uh, pressure sensing modules, but, you know, one specifically for iPhone and another specifically for iPad, um, they're going to have one cohesive solution. So right. So right now they have parts for each different iPhone, right? They have the the 6s, they have the 6s Plus, and they're discrete units. And they'd have to make another one specific to the iPad. But the goal here is to make one unit that works across the whole line. Right. Well, not a not a single unit, but a, a technology that spans all devices. Apparently, a the scalable 3D touch technology. Yeah. Apparently, the one that they're using now is either difficult or impossible to scale up to you know 9.7 inch and 12.9 inch sizes which is why we didn't see uh 3d touch capable ipad pro when that launched um which would have been you know awesome but it looks like we're gonna have to wait until um potentially after the iphone 7 launches so that could mean depending on that's late fall next year yeah yeah, expected. So um, the plan is to integrate this new scalable technology into across the iOS device line. And if they're going to start doing it after the iPhone 7, that means uh, that any iPads launched next year probably won't have 3D Touch um, in it. So if you're if you're waiting for that. You're you're going to be waiting another year, probably. Right. So, what does this mean to like the industry as a whole? 
the industry. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, I don't know because the 3D touch, I, the Apple is really pushing hard for the their developers to integrate this this feature, and it it's not really. I feel like it's not really taking off. People, uh, the the devs aren't really making. Um, they're not really taking full advantage of it. Um, right. We, we have yet to run a story that says these are the very best things about 3D touch, right? Yeah. I mean, it's right, right now it, the technology is, is, uh, it's nation. So, I mean, it's, it's very limited, right? I mean, you get peak and pop, which is for previews and, uh, quick actions on the home screen, mm-hmm. which is, which is, you know, I mean, that's, that's good. It's great. But, um, I think there needs to be like a, there needs to be one killer function that mm-hmm. users will, that once they use it, it's like, you know, how, how did I ever, how did I ever use my iPhone without this? Kind of like it, it, Apple's not, Apple's posi- positioning it as an evolution of multi-touch, but they're not bringing that value of multi-touch to, uh, to 3D touch, right? Right. And and multi-touch changed everything, but this is... is yeah. I mean, 3D touch, you can You can, can use yeah. an iPhone 6S perfectly well without using 3D touch. Yeah, right. And and so it's not having the impact that, that you could hope for. It's kind of, it's kind of like your, uh, your realization last week that your uh, new MacBook had um, force touch on it, right? Oh, God, yes. I yeah, didn't so even... I mean, you, you didn't even know because, I mean, you don't use those special features... So it's, it's akin to that. Uh, it, they're there and they are convenient, but there's it's not it's not required to to uh, you know for any apps. It's not yeah. it's not there. There's no apps out there that you know rely on it either solely or uh, as a critical part of it. And you know when I got the uh, the MacBook Pro. I did the intro tutorial that tells you about what's new about the machine and things like that. Mm-hmm. And they talked uh, at the very barest sense about it, but it didn't leave an impression on me. It didn't show me here's how to use it and you should try this and use it. It just, you know, glossed over the fact that it was there. Yeah. Apple likes to do that with their, or they, they're tending to uh, not tout their new technologies as much for some. So reason. how do you get uptake if it's not? Yeah. I don't know. Their, their consumer outreach is not, very strong. I feel like they're relying on consumers to go out and do their own homework and not, you know, have it fed to them on a silver platter. Right. So you mentioned that, that you thought 3d touch for the iPad would be a very good thing. Like you thought that it was almost a a mistake that it wasn't launched at the same time as that for the phone. So are, are you looking forward to having an iPad air three with 3d touch? Oh yeah. I mean, it would be great for, especially for, uh, well, I mean, as it stands now, the quick actions, that'd be great for, um, like two handed use, uh, from, you know, launching apps directly from the home screen or launching into apps. Um, would it make multitasking any more interesting? You know, if you've got things slid over and you can pop and peek Mm. and preview them. I think pop, I think, yeah, I think the peak and pop will uh, Mm -hmm. also work well, but hopefully they can bring new features that are um, exclusive to, to iPad. Right. I mean, I don't, I don't know exactly what they could do with 3d touch on iPad, but it is a much bigger canvas for them to play with. So, um, I mean, imagine having 
location specific pressure sensing across a you know what amounts to a 13 inch display i mean the the user interface implications are, are pretty astounding i think so i mean you could do anything i mean you could do anything from bringing up uh like say you're in like a notes or or some sort of creativity app you could bring up contextual menus or um change opacity of a drawn object on the fly or something i mean you know for for artists it would be great as well um so all this is hypothetical right now but it it means so should should people hold off on getting an ipad or or be less excited about the ipad air 3 should should people wait until after an iphone 7 no because we don't know exactly how they're going to implement 3d touch as it stands now if they just implement peak and pop and quick actions i i don't know if that's going to be a huge draw for for ipad users right um those those two tools are are really effective for uh handsets and you know um navigating a on a small screen um with one hand it's really good for that uh but you know when you have that big screen real estate on an ipad you might want more and i i I assume that they're working on um, some sort of new feature, new 3D touch feature that will debut in, I guess, iOS 10. All right. Well, if, if they debut a new feature that ties 3D touch together the way a good rug ties room together, we'll tell you all about it. I want to go ahead and talk about this next bit of story, right? We talked about there are three posts on the Apple Insider homepage all about new hires within Apple and and shaking things up and shifting them around on the org chart. So this this happens periodically, but it happens pretty rarely, right? You know, we don't frequently get a spate of, of new hires all at once like this. So who got hired and what are their new roles? Well, uh, basically the two biggest uh, changes are uh, Jeff Williams moved uh, to COO. Uh, From chief. where? What was he doing before? Okay, so he was uh, most recently uh, the head of Apple's supply chain. Um, and, so he uh, was a senior vice president of operations. Right. Worked directly for Tim Cook. Right. And he will still work. Um, he'll still be a Tim Cook report uh, under with his new role. Um, but It'll just give him a, a broader, a broader reach, I suppose. He'll he'll have a bit more control over, um, or he won't need to control the day to day. That is uh, probably under you know as a chief operating officer. So right, I think I saw him described as as Tim Cook's Tim Cook. Yeah, yeah, he was. Uh, yeah, he was to Tim Cook as Tim Cook was to. Steve Jobs, right? He was head of the supply chain. So he moves up to chief operating officer. And the other big one is Phil Schiller, uh, previously. Marketing. Yeah. Right. Um, so he's going to see, oversee all the app stores. So um, with that, I guess uh, they Apple said that he's going to work um, across the various platforms, iPhone, iPad, Mac, Apple Watch, and Apple TV, um, to extend the ecosystem 
So, um, so he's just he's basically moving up. Uh, yeah, it's interesting because that means that Schiller leads developer related functions at Apple, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and he's traditionally very much about worldwide product marketing. Yes, this is an interesting move. So, uh, interesting to see if he's going to be making a as many appearances on the keynote stage as he did before, um, you know, launching the iPhone and all that good stuff as uh, the head of marketing. The, the, the famous announcement that he made about the iPad mini, right? Yes. Or, or the, uh, oh gosh, the Mac pro remember? Right. Right. Cause he, uh, cause Apple can still, still innovate, bro. Yes. <laughs> We're going to have to give a link back to that keynote in the show notes. Yeah. Um, that was, that was a striking one. Cause he almost broke character for that. Almost. Although it, it did <laughs> seem to her, it seemed like he was, uh, it seemed like he was going over it backstage in his head. Like, oh my God, I'm definitely going to say this, but I just need to know how. So we, we've got a new chief ops, uh, chief operating officer. We've got the, uh, the, the change for Phil Schiller, where we've got a marketing person in front of developer rated functions. What are some of the other hires? Well, so uh, there's Johnny Shruji, who's been at Apple for eight years as VP of Hardware Technologies, and he's now Senior Vice President of Hardware Technologies. Mm. So th- these aren't earth-shattering changes necessarily, no. right? They're they're mostly moving in title, moving in in uh, probably remuneration. That is that is different payment structure for the new role kind of thing, yeah. but for for you know, Jeff Williams, this is an, uh, a simple progression yeah. for Johnny Shruji. This is a simple progression, right? It's, it's for that filler move that you scratch your head and say, really? Okay. The marketing fellow is now ahead of developer stuff. Does that well, cause a problem for developers is a question. Um, I doubt it, but there was also a tour Mirren who, uh, who is kind of taking over for Schiller, right? He's, he's uh, doing VP of marketing communications Mm -hmm. and he's not Um, an internal move the others were all internal hires or internal changes this is someone coming in from outside where's he coming from um so he's uh he's coming from gray group um where he was the chief creative officer uh out of the uh and also the that firm's president of the new york office so um most recently working as the c CEO of Gray's Worldwide, an ad agency. Um, I don't know if you remember. If you remember I, I'm, I'm looking at his uh, his bio, and there is the Volvo Life Paint commercial. That uh, it, it's basically the um, the luminescent. Uh, uh, it's like a can of luminescent um, material that you spray on. It's invisible during the daytime. But at nighttime, it'll you know when headlights, um, when headlights hit the the material, it reflects off it for safety. Yeah. So I so mean, they that created was, a campaign for that. Yeah, yeah. So they did that, which was uh, I think it went viral um, either last year or the year before. I don't remember exactly when, but I definitely remember hearing about it. Um, then he did another viral video kind of thing with uh, uh, gun violence. Wow. Um, and 
Uh, let's see. Oh, maybe. I think probably people will probably be uh, most familiar with his uh, E-Trade talking baby. Oh, yes. Yes. Yeah, we remember that. Yeah. So that's cool. Um, oh, it says here that he also was behind Oprah Winfrey's car giveaway. So everyone. Uh, that's a big one. Yeah. Yes. You get a car and you get a car and you get and, a car. Uh, yeah. Until yeah. the uh, car company goes tits up. Well, and never mind that you have to pay the taxes on receiving the car. So well, that's a I mean, big, it's a car. It's a car. Yeah, well, yeah. But, um, you know, the, the interesting thing about Suji for me, we were talking about before we talked about tour is that Suji joined Apple in 2008 to lead development of the A4, the first Apple design system on chip. So he, he was behind that early A processor that, that we've seen the development of for every successive model of iPhone. So it really makes sense that he's VP of, of hardware tech. Yeah. Or well, senior VP now. I mean, there were those other, <clears throat> those two other stories uh, about Apple taking over um, the chip fab. In, uh, so they bought the uh, the Maxim chip yeah. fab, right? That's right. the one in Palo Alto that's right next to Samsung? Right. So it used to be a Samsung facility, and Maxim purchased it, I believe, and um, now it's Apple's. So, I mean, it's not, it's not something that you're going to be – they're definitely not going to be pumping out uh, A10 chips from there, uh, aside from the fact that it's – a small production run. So right now, the facility is capable of uh, nodes ranging from 600 nanometers to 90 nanometers. Um, so 90 nanometers is, uh, for reference, um, what the ARM chips that were in the original iPhone and iPhone 3G, that's what they were built on. Um, so the 3GS moved to 65 nanometer, and now the, the most current a9 chips are 14 to 16, depending if you get Samsung or TSMC. Um, so uh, there is one chip or one processor, which is the, the, the M8 Motion coprocessor uh, for last year's iPhone 6 that was still manufactured on the 90 nanometer process. But, but still, um, it's a good tool for prototyping and... Uh, designing chips to later be fabbed on, um, you know, smaller, smaller platforms. So is it an interesting at all from an industry perspective that Apple is doing this inside the U S? Um, I don't think so. I, I, I mean, if they don't plan on <laughs> selling it, if they don't plan on selling it, um, in, you know, I mean, if they, they don't mass manufacturing it in the U S then why not have one, close to your home base, right? It's better than flying back and it, forth. It speeds up prototyping. And it also, uh, <clears throat> I mean, we also have to consider that Apple does uh, contract out of, for from Samsung's Austin Fab, right? Right. Uh, is Austin? Yeah, I think it's Austin. The, what does the string of hires, what does this mean for our listeners? What does it mean for developers? What does it mean for... For, for people, right? Is there any uh, impact that we can derive from this? Near term, I don't think so. I think the biggest change would be Phil Schiller's move. I'm not sure how that's going to fly with, with devs, but um, I don't think 
the change would be made if he was not capable or if Apple doesn't have a plan that we just don't know about yet. Um, and they could be positioning for some big reveal. Who, who was formerly in charge of these app stores? Jeff was it Williams. Ed? I don't know. Cause was I mean, it, he was, was it Williams or was it Q? It could have been Q since he's, uh, internet products and services. Hmm. I don't know. They didn't mention Q. Yeah, I think it fell under Q because he would, he was always the one talking up um, the numbers for App Store and stuff like that. Schiller is taking over the App Store from Eddie Q, and that's does that have any impact on developers? Does it have any impact on on people in terms of approach? Do we think? I I, I don't think so. I mean, I feel like they have different personalities. And yeah, different they're focuses, obviously right. Yeah, they're obviously different people. Um, but I think the main, I mean, the, the undercurrent of the basic momentum behind the App Store and, you know, on, on all platforms is uh, pretty self-sustaining. So I don't know that putting Schiller in charge of that is going to really tangibly change things in the near term. Maybe in the long term, he'll have some new ideas about where to take uh app store and you know make it grow but i i don't know how it can be improved upon at this point this is just my personal opinion i i feel like eddie q his his approach just from what we know of reading reports is that he goes out and he finds something and almost mercenary like tries to get the deal passed Mm -hmm. right and he knows exactly what the deal looks like in his head exactly what he wants to have and how it's going to work out and it's very much about building up Apple's portfolio when he does it. Yeah. And what it does for the user feels secondary to me in that respect. And with Schiller, even though we know that, that Schiller can be very much a mercenary about this kind of stuff. Um, I, I feel like Schiller has a bit more focus on the end user piece of it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I mean, Q always, he's always talking about how Apple creates things for the consumer, right? Mm-hmm. All their moves are for the user. Nothing is there's, for Apple's own interest. There's but then again, his speaking actions. Speaking that party line, yeah, and then there's yeah. your actions. Go ahead. Uh, I don't know if you remember when <clears throat> all those documents came out uh, during the Samsung debacle. That's still Recount ongoing. it for us. Tell us more. Well, basically, Q, uh, there's a bunch of correspondence between Q um, and various execs at both Apple and and uh, other other uh, Silicon Valley companies. And he, he just comes off as um, he's very shrewd, obviously a very shrewd businessman. And he definitely drives a hard bargain. It was also seen... I believe there was one document that was uh, released regarding Apple's licensing uh, during the eBooks trial. Uh, Q was, uh, you know, in charge of getting those deals with the publishers. Um, so he made a huge. Uh, There's a huge part of that, and there was. Uh, we have gotten. Um, some of some of my sources have have confirmed that Q is uh, quite quite cutthroat in the uh, in the boardroom. Um, he was behind the 
for the for the new iOS nine news app uh, in dealing with um, uh, basically the entire platform as a whole and trying to get publishers on board with it. Um, he basically pulled a power move uh, over Adobe's uh, publishing software um, to uh, bring over a bunch of publishers to Apple instead of going with, uh, you know, I think Adobe's uh, the, the InDesign based platform that people have been using for quite some time. So basically saying, you know, the news app is the future. Uh, if you want to get on board, get on board. Now's the time. Right. And, and this is not the first time they've done something like this. You know, I think no. back to uh, EPUB, which is the, the eBooks format yeah. and popular format. And Apple contributed to the working group around that. They participated in that for EPUB version three, I believe. And as soon as that working group stuff was in motion, they went ahead and released iBooks and said, here's our new format. And by the way, we do all these other things. And there were people on the uh, the EPUB working group email lists the, uh, that subscribe to that and talk about it that were, were saying they were working with us. Why didn't they just put this stuff in EPUB? Well, yeah. I mean, obviously because, they want- Because lock it, yeah. because yeah. the yeah. greater, greater good for Apple. Yeah. Well, I mean, all, all of this, all of Q's moves point to uh, uh, platform stickiness, right? I mean, all of these things, you, you're making your making iOS more and more sticky so that you know users are less apt to, to bail out, jump ship. <clears throat> and um, instead of going you know, the consumer route, why not go the backend route and just uh, have all the content that consumers want be offered either solely on your service or um, in most part on your service and maybe derivatives of that on Android or something. Yeah. So, I mean, if you focus primarily on giving it to iOS users, then you're not only driving uh, usership and stuff like that, but you're the, the main goal is to drive sales, hardware okay. sales. Right? So wrap, wrap it up for me with the uh, this story about all these different hires and especially with the App Store. What what should people take away from this? Um, you know, I don't know. It's too early to tell right now, I think. Uh, we don't know exactly what Apple's doing. The Schiller move is a kind of odd one. It could free up Q for something, but he wasn't really mentioned in today's release. So... Um, it's kind of a, it's not really a big shakeup, but it, it is an interesting reassignment. Signs and portents, things that point to what could be. Yeah. Well, I think the ad move was, is probably one of the more significant ones, right? Advertising is huge for Apple. Um, and Tor created, uh, the latest or Apple's, you know, uh, traditional Christmas ad this year. So it could be a harbinger of things to come as far as commercials go. So if you want to take a look at that, cool. he's the guy. Yeah. I want to talk for a moment about Igloo software. So Igloo software makes an intranet and intranets are for companies that need internal networks to share things without putting them out on the public internet. Historically, they're all pretty much terrible. But Igloo makes a sleek one, right? You've got the sleek device. You've got these beautiful iPads, iPad Pros. You've got your phone. 
the last thing you want to do is run your company internal network on something that looks like it was designed in 1990. You know, it's horrible. So Igloo can be customized to look amazing. With responsive design, it automatically optimizes for any device you're going to use, including the latest iPhones all the way up to the iPads, which means everything you can do at your desk, you can do on the go. And just like your favorite Apple devices, Igloo helps you do your best work. You can share files, coordinate calendars, provide status updates, manage projects, the whole thing. And it lets you work better together with your teams. So sign up now and get a free trial at igloosoftware.com slash insider. Mikey, you published a review about an audio product. Mm, that I did. Quite and it's the pretty, audio product. it's pretty rare that we publish reviews about audio products, isn't it? We do this like once a year, maybe twice a year at the most. Um, I do. Well, for high end stuff. Yeah. But I do enjoy, uh, writing those reviews because it is a, it's a passion of mine. It's, it's a grueling punishment, right? You, you have to sit down and suffer. Yeah. It's, uh, well, suffer because I won't be able to, uh, afford said product probably, but it is good to sample it. It's the Phantom from DVLA, DVLA. It's a, a French company. Um, I, those out, audio files out there will, recognize the name from their uh from their power amps um they're fairly niche but uh growing in um growing in popularity and this is basically their play toward consumers uh i guess i don't know well well healed consumers because the phantom is an all-in-one system that the cheapest one retails for two thousand dollars so um, what it is, is a wireless speaker, um, has four drivers, two bass woofers, uh, with a interesting configuration. Um, uh, one mid, I think they call it a mid treble is what they call it, but it's basically a, uh, uh, coax, coaxial, um, design, um, so it has, so, you know, it's, it's like the speakers you find in your car, right? It has a, right. It's got a, a thing floating in front of it. Yeah. So it's right. on the same, the diaphragms are on the same plane. So it helps with, uh, staging and stuff like that, but, and, and also makes it smaller, which is good. <clears throat> but anyway, so DV, so the phantoms thing is basically creating, uh, a speaker system that has zero distortion. That's like their claim to fame. Um, even at incredibly high listening volumes. And um, they do this by uh, in part trying to have the speakers arranged. So um, other sound emanates from one point in space. I mean, that, that is what you want when creating a, you know, combined system right of of all kinds of like multiple drivers and stuff so right. now all, i noticed i noticed this thing physically looked weird right it's a, it's a big round enclosure what's what's what are they doing there well they're they're going after what they call a co-spherical design uh but it's basically a ball right they're the the drivers are situated in in if like you drew a picture or drew a line around the the drivers it would fit into a sphere so the two base drivers are facing each other um, on opposing ends of the or opposing sides of the chassis, um, 
and then they have the mid tweeter or mid treble uh, module right up in front. What also um, with the spider facing up back. So it, it all points to one one point in space inside the the chassis, which is vacuum sealed and is very very dense in there. So uh, basically, when you're driving, <clears throat> you're driving the speakers and uh, turning up the volume. It it has very little. Actually, I have I didn't ex- experience any slop at all. So you don't have that slapping sound or um, so there was no distortion or overdriving or or anything weird like that. No, the uh, how loud did you get it? uh, I didn't measure on a on a decibel meter, but you've got um, an iPhone. Why why didn't you say? (laughs) Well, I mean, you know, there there are apps for that. (laughs) There are, but they're not very accurate. Well. I, I uh, they're not calibrated to be sure, but if you said that on this app at five feet from the speaker, it measured this right. That's repeatable at least. Yeah, but still, it's an arbitrary number. Um, I think Phantom claims uh, it can the the model that I reviewed, which is the seven hundred fifty watts. That's a uh, lot of watts. It is. That's a lot of watts. Um, it is. Yeah. Uh, so it can put out 105 decibels at, uh, three meters, I think it was, or louder uh, than airplanes. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, uh, it's quite the noisemaker. Yeah. Uh, But how much does that thing cost? The one I reviewed was 1990. That's 1,990. Exactly, and they have the uh, three thousand watt model, <clears throat> which uh, is called the Silver Phantom for uh, four hundred dollars more, so twenty three ninety. That's a bargain. You yeah, get well, that I, much more for for. Th- yeah, they're well. They used uh, some of their tech from their high end um, amps in in this. Uh, in this system. So they have a hybrid analog digital, which is basically, they're, they're basically using the, the analog as uh, like a reference, you know, like a, like a reference current and then driving the actual speakers with the slaved digital, um, digital amps. So, and also it's worth noting that there's no op amp in between that signal. So what's, helps. what's the meaning of that? What's, what's the point of not having an op amp in there? Well, I mean, the less components that you have in the path of the signal, that the signal path, the quieter or, uh, less distortion or less chance of distortion there is, right. You've got a more, um, balanced you have an sound. uninterrupted pure signal path. Is that what you're, they claim that the, they they have like this technology called magic wire that, um, they claim is basically amounts to a straight wire that amps up sound, which is kind of like a holy grail, right? You're, you're, you don't want any, any components or any uh, processing in between um, that point. You just want pure amplification. <clears throat> so th- they're basically saying that that is what their magic wire does. It's a bunch of a uh, bunch of engineering hocus pocus that 
actually works, I think. Uh, I, I heard no distortion. I'm not sure whether that's attributable to the amp technology or the uh, speaker arrangement. I'm guessing, well, in my review, I said that it's a combination of the two. Hmm. Um, what was the best experience you had using it? What was that like? Uh, turning it up to full blast and not hearing distortion of any kind besides uh, the platform that I had it on was shaking a bit. So there was sound coming from that. But if I dampened that that listening platform, it would have been uh, extremely tight sound, extremely tight. Are I you going to miss having it? Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't know how, how much I would use it here at that volume at my house. Um, I'm too close to my neighbors. So there's, there's only certain a few hours a day that I, that I could actually run it at that, at that level. But uh, for mansions and stuff, for people who, who are buying this uh, for listening rooms or whatnot, it's good. It's, good, uh, it's a good all-in-one system. So those people should totally go out and get one. Yeah, if you're looking for an all-in-one system, then this is the one to get. Okay, so so suppose, for example, that I wanted to get one of these things. Where what would I have to do to get one? Where would I have to go? Uh, well, first, I would recommend you go listen to it. It it does have a sonic signature of sorts. It's a uh, it's pretty it's pretty pure um, the, the sound, but I mean. You, you know, everyone has their own taste and what sounds good. So listen to it first, obviously. But they have some at uh, certain Apple stores, I believe in New York and San Francisco and maybe uh, 12 other locations. But it's the bigger Apple stores. So check that out. I don't think they're on display because doing so would violate probably laws, <laughs> noise ordinance laws because of the... Uh, yeah, they, they can't turn it up that high, uh, which is where the Phantom really is impressive. But you can uh, order it through WLA's website. Uh, they have a 45-day risk-free trial. So have them send one out, test it out, and try to send it back. If you, <laughs> if you Struggle. Uh, Fight if that you dare, internal struggle with yourself. You yeah. <clears throat> I'm really interested in uh, – because they, they, they also have this uh, – this audio bridge um, called the Dialogue, which is, I think, a three hundred or four hundred dollar add-on, where you can connect two of the Phantom, or actually, you can you can daisy chain them, right? It's uh, well, it does the processing, so you can do stereo, and they're working on um, five point one audio Mm-mm. for home theaters. Um, would that be but, wireless or wired chained together? It would have to be wired, wouldn't it? Um, for the stereo, it's a wireless. for five point one. Oh yeah, for five point one. I'm not sure. I don't know. I think it is why because you can connect up to twenty four using the dialogue. Well, which is which their would have audio to be wirelessly because what would you do with twenty four chained together? Yes, right. So okay, so it's so. I mean, for the twenty four, obviously, you're not going to. Well, I mean, unless you want to open your own theater, <laughs> you're going to be spreading those throughout a house, so you can have multi room listening and stuff like that. So that's the idea behind the the twenty four phantom setup one for every room of your mansion in the hamptons yes well it sounds like it was a wonderful product and i'm, I'm glad you got the chance to tell us about it 
I, I envy you that I didn't get to hear it, but, uh, Oh, I could have turned it up and, uh, had you listen, you might've, might've heard it from across the country. <laughs> We're gonna have to do that next time. I've been your host, Victor Marks. This has been the Apple Insider Podcast. Joining me has been Mikey Campbell. Mikey, where can people find you on the internet? At MikeyCampbell81 on the Twitters and at AppleInsider.com. All right. And if Mikey makes a lateral move and becomes Senior Vice President of Hardware Technology of Apple Insider, we'll tell you all about it next week on the Apple Insider Podcast. <laughs>